Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. Until Christ be formed in you. Today I want to talk about that very subject, that very topic. Until Christ be formed in you. Somebody say that to somebody. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you have already ministered to me. And I pray that you will minister to the heart and soul of your people this morning. That, Lord, when they leave here today, the message, the response that you desire, it will happen. It will take place. And I pray for hearts and minds and lives to be changed through the preaching of the word and by the power of your spirit. I pray today that you will help us, Lord, that you will touch us. I pray that every heart will be open and receptive to the word of the Lord today. Bless us in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Let everyone say amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Until Christ be formed in you. That is the topic that is the subject of what I will talk about this morning. But what the communication to your soul and to your spirit is, it's this. God wants to use you. God wants to use you until Christ be forming you because God wants to use you. So until Christ is forming you is, is, is very essential because God wants to use you. Tell your neighbor God wants to use you. Tell your other neighbor God wants to use you. I am serious about that. God is serious about that, that he wants to use you. He wants to do something in your life. He wants to work in your life. He wants to do something miraculous in your life. Oftentimes we think that God can't do something in our life. Oftentimes we think that God can't work in our life, but God wants to use us. You are not too insignificant for God to use you. You are not just a, a, a thought in God's mind. God know who you are. He has birthed you. He allowed you to be in this world and he wants to use you. He didn't bring you here by happenstance. He didn't bring you here just because, but he had the purpose ready and prepared before he got you here. How many people have babies and let the babies come before they start preparing? Nobody does that, right? Once you know you're pregnant and the baby is growing, guess what? You start preparing for the baby. Well, how dare us think that we're just here and we're just existing and there's nothing for us to do but to live life the way we want to. That is not the plan of God. God had a plan for you before you even came into this world. He says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. So God didn't just bring you here just to say, look at me, I'm here. I'm one of you. No, no, no. God brought you here because he had a plan and a purpose already set in stone and ready. All you needed to do was just to walk into it because God already established it for you. God wants to use you. I am quite sure that God was the one that brought you here today. I'm quite sure of that. I know that you got here because God wanted you to be here. God ordained and predestinated that you would be here today. Now, I don't know if you understand how that worked and how God got you here, but God knows what he's doing. And however you got here, whether by invitation or you felt like, let me just go and hang out. Whatever it is, God was the one that orchestrated for you to be here today because God wants to tell you he wants to use you. He wants to work in your life and he wants to do something great through you and in you. Somebody say amen. The Bible says God is a sovereign God. The Bible says God is omnipotent. 
The Bible says God is omniscient. The Bible says God is omnipresent. You know what that means? God is all powerful. God is all knowing. He knows everything. The thoughts that are in your mind, he knows them. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. And he's all powerful. You got to understand who God is. That God is sovereign. There is nothing that he wants to do that he can't do. There is nothing that is too hard for God because he's all powerful. He's sovereign. God can do the things that is beyond our imagination. So he's sovereign. He's sovereign. Sovereign means he have everything under control. See, sovereign don't mean he do what you think he should do. See, this is where we get a little confused because God is sovereign and all powerful. And we start saying, well, why can't God? Because he's sovereign. You're not sovereign. God is sovereign. So when you begin to question, why can't God? You're out of place because only God that is all powerful and all knowing can decide what should and what should not. But we make the mistake of saying, why God can't? You're limited in your thinking, in your understanding. You, you don't know. So you can't make that statement, why God? Because he's the sovereign God. I think if we get that, that will help us a whole lot. That because God is sovereign, he decides what he will and what he won't do. Why can he do that? Because he knows the ending before even he, 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 he knows the ending from the beginning. He knows what the beginning is. He knows what the middle is. And he knows what the ending is. And so you can't tell God why don't he or why shouldn't he. He already knows what the end game is. He's sovereign. That's what it is. He's sovereign. He's all powerful. The Bible says he's omniscient. That means all knowing. Satan don't know the thoughts that are in your mind. Did you know that? So when you start thinking things in your mind, Satan don't know them. Can Satan put thoughts in your mind? Yes, he can. But he don't know if you are responding to them. He don't know what you're doing if you just dismiss it and you're just like, whatever, or you're responding and processing. Satan don't know that. But God knows if you are processing or you're not. He knows every thought before they even come into your mind. So before they got there, God said, I already know that was coming. But God knows everything and Satan don't know everything. So when we get thoughts in our minds, that's why I tell people, your thoughts don't make you a sinner. Because they're not always your thoughts. No, they're not always your thoughts. It's thoughts that the devil put there. Or thoughts that someone come and say something to you, now you can't shake it. That ain't always your thoughts, so that don't make you a sinner. What makes us sinners is when the thought comes and we start pondering it. We start thinking, okay, maybe I need to do, you know, okay. And we start, the Bible says all of us, we sin when we're drawn away by our lusts. So what happens is the devil know what you like that's wrong. So he puts it in your mind and then sit back. We like to say the devil made me do it. No, no, no. You did it. The devil just put it there. So we always have the choice of determining whether we're going to respond to what the devil does, what thoughts he put into our mind. We can, we can just stay there and say, I'm not doing that. Or we can be drawn away and say, yeah, yeah. Man, I don't want to, but you're still moving. I don't want to, but I don't want to before you know you're doing it. Because you're drawn away by your own lust. Also understand this. The devil is crafty enough. He knows what your mom struggled with, what your dad struggled with. And so what happens is the devil know that if they struggle with it and you have got their DNA, you're going to struggle with it. And so what he does is he put it in your way and he see what's going to happen so if you have a, a, a father or mother that struggled with alcohol or drugs guess what he do he tries his best to introduce you to it all the time he's trying to always throwing it your way to see if you will respond to it see if you will begin to respond and get pulled away by what's already in you see we don't realize the devil can only tempt you with what's already in you 
The devil can only tempt you with what's already in you. What old time people like to say? You, 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 they always say that you, um, you won't miss what you won't have, what you didn't have. And it's, it's kind of like if something is not in you, you don't worry about it. You're not that curious about it. But every time you get curious and go after something, make no mistake about it, it was already in you. I know we want to feel like we good. Nah, that can't be me. Yes, it is you. You got some stuff in you that ain't no good. Just like I got some stuff in me that's no good. The Bible says our heart is deceitful and evil. And who can know their heart? So we got some stuff in us that we don't even know we have. But I'm here to tell you today, it's okay. I know that sin has grabbed a hold of us. But Jesus died for sin. And we have the power to get over sin. It's just a matter of, are we going to work at it, or are we going to just keep on letting our desires rule us? It's important. God wants to use you. And so God is sovereign. He is all-powerful, and God is, is omniscient. He, 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 he just knows everything, and there's nothing that he doesn't know. And he's omnipresent. He's all-present everywhere, and, and, and he's omnipotent, all-powerful. There's nothing that God don't have the power to do. He just decides what he will and what he won't do. So you're here today so God can help you know and direct you in how he can use you. Oftentimes when we think about being used, we think about being treated badly. When we think about being used, we think about people stepping on us, walking over us, and taking advantage of us. And so that word use is, is never usually a good word among ourselves because when somebody says, yeah, I'm going to use him, I'm going to use her, you know, I used to hear the girls say, yeah, I'm going to use him and take his money. Yeah, I'm going to take that clown's money. And guys say, yeah, you know what the guy said. They ain't going to say it. That ain't, cl- that ain't nice to say. But guys say it. So we, 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 we use one another. We talk about using each other. And so using is never a good thing in our society. It's taking advantage of people. It's not right. And so when we hear and when we come in church and we hear God wants to use you, I don't know how that resonates with everybody when I say God wants to use you. Now, some of us that's been in church for a while might say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But others might say, I don't know, just by natural instinct of response to something like that. Use me? What God talking about using me? Especially if you've been used before and treated real bad. The dictionary described the word use as such. To take unfair advantage of. To be exploited. When you're exploited, you're being used. When you're taken an unfair advantage of, you're being used. Using people to gain one's own ends. Ooh. We're, we're trying to get what we want and we use people. And we, some of us don't want to see it as used. We just want to think, nah, that's just, you know, no. If, if you're trying to get somebody to do something for your own gain, you're using them. What, you know, that's just the way it works. Whatever you're trying to get out of the deal and you're not giving back, you're using somebody. This is why I got to tell you for myself, I try my very best to always be able to give back in some kind of way. As Christians, we better be people that give back if we're going to call ourselves Christians. Because if we don't give back, what it's going to look like is we're users. And only people in the world are users. And if you are user, then you're really not a Christian because you're practicing a worldly act. You can't use people. We got to do right. God is not about using people like how we use people, trying to get my own gain, trying to get an advantage. No offense, sister, no offense, brother, but I need to do what I got to do, so I'm trying to get my thing. Don't use people to do that. Get it on your own without using anybody. We can't use people, but God wants to use you. Somebody say, God wants to use you. Mm. God's way of using us is not 
like how people would use us. When people use you, they are unfairly benefited by taking advantage of you. When people use you, they are unfairly benefited by taking advantage of you. So they're getting their stuff from taking advantage of you. They're taking advantage of you unfairly to benefit themselves. That's not right. When God uses us, both you and God are benefited the same. Stop and think about that some The almighty sovereign God, when he uses you, you and him are benefited the same. Now, that's a big statement because that don't make a whole lot of sense that me and God is benefited the same when God used me. That's how I wish we would get to learn the God that we serve. I wish we would get to a place where we really get to know the almighty God whose name is Jesus, uh, the almighty God who manifests himself in flesh. I wish we would get to know who he is uh, because he's really good uh, and he will not use you uh, just for his own benefit. Uh, He will not just tell you to do things uh, just for his own benefit. Uh, If God is using you uh, just like he's profiting, you're profiting. What kind of God is he, though? Because he has the right to use us and be benefited and we not benefit. We haven't been that good. We haven't earned what we got. But God is still treating us like we're his equal. And he doesn't have to do that. When God uses us, we both are benefited the same. Let me tell you how we're both benefited the same in case somebody said, well, I don't know about that, preacher. Well, here we go. The Bible says born-again Christians are joint heirs. What does joint heirs mean? When you're joint, it means same thing right there. Isn't that how I go joint? You know, so we own something together. You get 50, I get 50. We're joint. We're sharing in the same thing. It's just we, 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 we got it together, right? Well, when you become a born-again Christian, God says you become joint heir with him. So what he owns, you own it too. Oh, what a God we serve. He's telling me I'm joint heirs with him, that whatever he has, I got it. Oh, that's just the way it works. And so he says that. Then on top of it, he says, one day we will be like him, for we will see him as he is, and we will be like him. Born again believers, when God finally get us to go home to heaven with him, we're going to be just like him. We're going to have a body just like his. We're going to know just like he knows, and we're going to own everything he owns. Whatever God is asking you to do is to benefit you you and to benefit him just the same god wants to use you hallelujah hallelujah he wants to use me and he's not taking advantage of me he wants to use me and he's not trying to pimp me when he could because he's god he was responsible for me to have breath but he said i'm gonna be joint heirs he said that I'm going to be just like him. I'm not now, but I will be. The same as he is. God is not trying to use us to take advantage of us. God wants to use us so we can benefit from it. God wants to use us so his plan and his will will be accomplished. We're in this together. It's a partnership. When you become born again of the warden of the spirit, it's a partnership between you and the Lord Jesus. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. It starts with this. My little children. My little children. How do we become little children? We become little children. I always like to try to help you. In this way. In the natural. To become a little child. 
mom and dad get together. Mom and dad do what mom and dad do. Little embryo form. Gestation grow. Boom. Baby delivered. You're a little child. And so it takes from mom and dad to get together to produce you. And so now you're walking around or crawling around as a little child. You'll grow and still be a child. But nevertheless, from birth to, what's that, adolescent, you're a child. And the Apostle Paul, he was writing this, says, my little children. And so I want you to consider this because this is important. That all of us. If we are going to be called the children of God, we must go through being born. It's unfortunate that so many people are walking around saying, I'm a child of God. Well, how did you become a child of God? How did you? Because... If you're a child of Dorothy and Philip, I don't know who Dorothy and Philip is, but if you're a family, if you are, if you're a son of Dorothy and Philip, Dorothy and Philip are your parents, and that's how you became a child. You've got to have parents to be born. So how were, how did you become a child of God? You've got to have a parent. You got to have parents to be born. Interesting, huh? So we can't say we're a child of God. How did we become a child of God? And so the only way we can become a child of God is when we become born again. When you're born the first time, you are born to your natural parents. But in order to become a child of God, you must be born again. Yes. Listen to this. This is pretty interesting here. So how you're born again? Who's your mother and who's your father? Because God never changes the way things work in the natural with the spiritual. I love the Lord. He's so good. So, so in order for you to call yourself a child of God, you're going to have to have a spiritual mother and a spiritual father. Okay, we can figure out God is a spiritual father. Your spiritual mother, the church. Somebody said it. The spiritual mother is the church. So when you, we try to say, I ain't messing with the church and we want to sit home and watch TV. Well, you can't become a child of God if you don't mess with the mother. Because the mother got to get pregnant in order to give birth. And so if you don't come to church, you will never be born again. You will never be called a child of God. You need the church in order to be born as a Christian. No church, you can't be born again. Oh. So Jesus is the dad, the church is the mother. Can I tell you this? In the church, there should only be two kind of people, babies and mothers. In the church, there should only be two kind of people in the church, babies and mothers. What do you mean by that, preacher? If the church is the mother and Jesus Christ is the father, the church is responsible to take care of babies. And either you are taking care of a baby or you are a baby. And that's what the church is about. So when we come to church, you're going to see two kinds of people. One that's a baby crawling and trying to walk and the other that's nurturing. The other that's saying, let me take care of this baby. This is what the church is about. If you've been in church any time, you're supposed to see a baby and say, let me help that baby. Let me take care of that baby. Let me nurture that baby. Because I've been around. I'm a mama. I'm not just anybody. I'm a mama. I can take care of the baby. And the babies, they don't know no better. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to walk. They don't know how to praise. But it's all right because they're babies. That's what babies do. They throw upon themselves. They don't know how to handle themselves. We can't criticize because in the church it's either little babies or mothers. Help us, Jesus. So now, 
you get to go back now and say, am I being a mother? Am I being a baby? Am I being a teenager or young person helping out the mother and helping out the baby, but I'm just not really mature yet? Check your actions and see what kind of behavior you have because the behavior uh, is supposed to tell where you are in the church. But we need a mother and a father to be born spiritually. Can't be born spiritually no other way. Church is mama. Jesus is daddy. And so we look into the scriptures and the scripture says, my little children. If you're not born again today of the water and of the spirit and you want to be called a child of God, you're going to have to be born again of the water and of the spirit. I don't know why we make it so tough and we challenge and we struggle. If I want to get to heaven, if I believe heaven is this wonderful place that you all talk about, if I believe heaven is all that just so wonderful and God is so great, I don't need to negotiate. Just tell me what I need to do because if heaven is so wonderful, I want to get there. If God is so good, I want to be on his side. Just tell me what I got to do and I will do it because I want to go to heaven but we get stuck I love that I've, I've, I've dealt with so many people over the years when you start talking about salvation and I can tell right away when somebody's asking the question because they don't know and they want to know so they can understand and I can tell when they just want to talk because they don't want to do it because they're holding on to tradition. I know it. It don't take long. As soon as they start talking, boom, I know. And then that just tells me how to go, what direction to go in. And when I know that they're playing around, I just do a lot of smiling. Barry, Barry say, I know that smile. They start talk, when they start talking silly, I just go, <laughs> I don't get them too much because I, I know it's a waste of time. If I haven't learned a lot, I've learned this in life. When I know I'm dealing with a waste of time situation, I try my best to ease away from it. I don't have time. I really don't. You know, they want to play with themselves. Let them play with themselves. That's their soul. They want to negotiate the deal. And Jesus don't have no deals. (laughs) Jesus is not negotiating any deals. Either you're going to come the way he says or you can't come at all. And so he don't have no capacity to negotiate no deal with you. I've read in the scripture where somebody tried to negotiate with the Lord. Lord, from a child, I've kept the commandments. I did this and I did that. And then Jesus just hit him with a a, a hook. Go sell all your stuff and give it to the poor. Come follow me. We ain't never read about that dude no more. Because we always try to negotiate. And you you don't mess with God. He went through too much to, 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 to bring you here and to give you the opportunity to be delivered from sin. Don't try to negotiate with him. He is the negotiator, and that's it. And what he says is what goes. What I said last week, and you don't have to do it. Don't get yourself all worked up. I had a preacher trying to tell me what to do. No, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. You do whatever you do, however you feel. Just know whatever is going to come from that, that's what's going to come from it. Well, you do whatever you feel. You don't have to worry about, I ain't doing that. For every action, there's a reaction. So you do what you got to do, and God will do what he's going to do, because the Bible said God changed not. And so either you're going to go with his flow or do you. My little children. So, So we all know how we become little children now. Church is the mother. Jesus is the father. And unless you're born again, you can't be called a child of God the the church must give birth the church give birth this is why we go and we watch people like Sam get baptized and we watch people like Margaret get baptized the church birthed them the church birthed them the seed came from the dad I don't need to get into all that because some of y'all hear that all the time but the, the seed comes from God so the seed is the word of God So when those word of God, Sam, that's what happened. Jesus put the seed in. And when the seed got in, it started working. And so the the, the mama is eating good. Come on, y'all ladies, help me out. What did you eat when you was pregnant? 
And so the mama is eating good and trying to breathe right. It's the church. Mother try to eat good and breathe right and, and try to take care of herself. And so while she's doing that, the baby is just, just developing. The embryo is doing good because the seed was planted and it's going good. And then one day, the baby. This was done right, Sister Angela. Check it out. The baby, Maddie, determines when the baby's ready to come out. Right, ladies? Isn't that how it goes? The baby decides when the water breaks. Not you. Even though I know ladies talking about, I'm going to eat some hot peppers. I'm going to do something to speed up this pregnancy or to speed up this delivery. Whatever y'all want to say. I'm just telling you, the baby decides when the baby want to come out. Not you. And so, Brother Sam, you were a perfect example of how the church operate, the mother. The father, Jesus Christ, planted his seed, which is his word. And the church, we, the body, kept carrying you, kept carrying you, let you eat good and feed you good and did all this stuff. And then finally you say, I got to come out of here. I'm coming out through and I'm breaking through to be born into that kingdom of God. And so when you did that and we gave birth to you, you got baptized, boom, you came out of the womb on your dime, not on us. This is why, I, like I said, I didn't do it on purpose. But as you know, back in the day, I used to stand up and say, anybody today want to give their life to God and be baptized? I probably still should do it, but I don't do it as much, and I don't know why I don't. I just know that the Word of God and the Spirit of God is what get everything all in order. And if I preach the Word, God will back it up with His Spirit, and action will begin to follow, because signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. If we preach the Word, we teach the Word, the Spirit of God will confirm it with signs following. That's what happened. So my little children, of whom I travail in birth, travail, those of you that have been involved in any kind of nurturing of babies, or we'll even go to the point of giving birth to babies, you know that travailing means painful and laborious delivery. And so, this is what happens. Sam was a good pregnancy. <laughs> y'all, y'all think I'm crazy today, right? Sam was a good pregnancy. And you all know that sometimes there's good pregnancy, and there's some that's just, woo. And so he was a good pregnancy. But there's other children that we gave birth to. It was tough pregnancy. And even when them babies come out, Lord have mercy, you're still working the work because they just they they just no joke. My daughter got her, she good. The other one, that's not easy. But as the church, the mother, we supposed to expect that. The mother's supposed to expect how we nurture the kids. What's the situation with the children? And some is not going to be like the others. And so when a baby is just crazy, don't mean that we don't treat them good. they ours, and we nurture them just the same, and we love them just the same. Some are hard pregnancy. Some are hard raising up. But nevertheless, at the end of the day, God gave us those babies, and we need to take care of them, and we need to nurture them, and we need to help them. So we should be in a place place today to say where am I in this process am I a baby am I helping out the mother am I the mother nurturing because all of us are responsible for something because that's where we are as part of the body the children of God until Christ be forming you until Christ be forming you my little children of whom I travailed until Christ be formed in you Formed. It means to be fashioned, to be shaped and molded, to be fashioned until Christ be formed, until Christ is fashioned in you. Yes, we must be born again before uh, forming and fashioning can take place. Unfortunately, many was born again, and that's where they stop. And so what happens is we got overgrown babies in the church sometimes. They look like they big people. They look like they grown ups, but they overgrown. They don't have the the maturity because 
they never grew after they got they came out of the womb. They just grew physically, but they never grew emotionally. They never grew mentally. They never grew spiritually. So they just got big. And so now we go to church and we see some people that's been around five years, 10 years, 15 years. And you talk to them and you say, man, they don't seem pretty swift. But they were born again. They were a child born into the kingdom of God through the mother, the church, and, 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 and they just never listened to anything. They never obeyed anything. The church didn't nurture them right. The church didn't take care of them. And so they just kept getting big in stature, but they never, ever grew spiritually. And so now they're walking around overgrown babies. You don't want to be an overgrown baby. You, you want to be a child being born and being nurtured. I will promise you this. You will be nurtured in this church. I will promise you this. We're going to be mothers. We're going to be mothers in this church. I, don't, I know I don't look like no mother, but this is what we are as the church. And we're going to nurture the babies. We're going to feed the babies. We're going to raise the babies. We're going to do what we're supposed to do because that's what God commands us to do. If you don't want to be a part of that, then you don't want to go to heaven because this is the only way to get to heaven. Remember we always say this for some of you that never heard this. If all God wanted from you was to go to heaven... The day you was born again, baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, he would have let you die right then and then and go straight to heaven if that's all you were born for. Think about that. If all you were born for was to go to heaven, then the day you became born again, God would allow you to die and you would have just been waiting for the glorious uh, uh, return of the Lord so you can go to heaven. But why didn't he let you die right then and there? Because... He wants you to help him with the plan that he has, which is to help to reach other lost people. So the bottom line is Christ needs to be formed and fashioned in us. And so when we're born again, it's going to take some work. And we can't skip the steps. We can't skip the process. It's not one of those things. As I say, you know, human beings, we like to try to figure out an easier way, which is fine. But remember, this process was established by God. If you're trying to find an easier way to get to heaven, you're trying to tell God you know more than he does. If you're trying to find some different way than what the scriptures say to get to heaven, then you're trying to tell God, let me try my method. Have you ever been to heaven? Do you know how to get to heaven? Why are you trying your method? Why do you think you know different than what God is saying? Because that's what really comes, what it comes down to where we're trying to figure out a different way to get to heaven. And we want to negotiate. Let's negotiate. Negotiate what? And so I don't want to be an overgrown baby. Don't let yourself become an overgrown baby. I want to be grown up. I want Christ to be formed and fashioned in me. I want to be the kind of vessel that God will be able to use and work through. God wants to use you. Tell your neighbor God wants to use you. And I'm close to closing. Philippians 2 and 5. Philippians 2 and 5. I'm there. I'm almost, I'm, 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 I'm almost there. Philippians 2 and 5. Philippians 2 and 5. Amen. Look at verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I know we read that all the time and we're wondering what does that mean? What does that mean? Anybody knows what that means? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What it's saying is let the mind of Christ be in you. Tell your neighbor, let the mind of Christ be in you. Yes, we need to let the mind of Christ be in us. And so we're struggling with that. How can the mind of Christ be in us? Ask your neighbor, how can the mind of Christ be in me? I don't know that. And I want to tell you in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, we have the mind of Christ. Let this mind which be in you, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. And then you saying, well, how is the mind of Christ going to be in me? I don't understand that. But 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 16 says, we have the mind of Christ. Boy, that's heavy. Because I don't think I have the mind of Christ. How in the world I got the mind of Christ? But I'll get to that. His children, those who have been born again, 
repenting of their sins, baptized in the water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Those who been born again for the total process of being born again, you have the mind of Christ. You see, the Spirit of the Lord is God. And when you have God dwelling in you, you got God, the wholeness of God. His mind is in you. And so when the Holy Ghost is living inside of you, when the Holy Ghost has filled your heart, you now have the mind of Christ in you. The issue is, now that Christ is in me, am I letting him take control or am I telling him, be quiet, let me do what I got to do? That's what we got to ask ourselves. How is Christ's mind in me? And if he's in me, why isn't he working in me? Why isn't he doing what needs to be done? Because you told him, be quiet. Stay where you are, Jesus. But if you're born again of the water and of the spirit, the mind of Christ is in you. We just got to rely on him. We just got to call on him. We just got to ask him to be the one to guide us and to lead us and to have reign in us because the spirit of God is God. And when he's in me, he's ruling and reigning in me. How is Christ forming me? How is Christ forming me? Because Christ is already formed. How does he form in me? Verse 6 says, now we're going to experience how Christ gets formed in you. And we're going to get to just what the Lord helped me to understand this morning. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So Christ is equal with God. For those of you that don't know that Jesus is God, you should see it right there. It says that Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal. How can God have an equal? His only equal is himself. God don't have an equal. His son couldn't be as equal. Hear me now. Your daughter, Maddie, you can't be your mom equal. We're all individuals. You don't have the same DNA I have. We're all individuals. So when the Bible says Christ was the equal of God, what it's saying is Christ is God in the flesh. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What it means is now you get to see God in person. You get to see God physically. You get to see God's characteristics. You get to see God's attributes. You get to see God's nature. You get to see God's behavior. You see, we read about him. We heard about him in the Old Testament, and we really couldn't grasp it because he operated as a spirit. But the day came when the fullness of time had come. Mary brought forth a son, and his name is called Jesus, who is God in the flesh. And he became the visible God that was always in invisible and so Christ is the visible God being made visible to us so we can see so we can behold so we can touch so we can get an idea okay that's the characteristics that I need to have that's how I need to behave that's how I need to walk that's how I need to look okay that's how it works huh okay okay so we came on the scene so we will be able to understand. You know why? If he stayed a spirit, we would have had this old bogus excuse like we like to have and said, well, God don't understand because he was a spirit uh, and spirit can't feel the way I feel and spirit don't hunger like I hunger and spirit don't get headache like I got one. Uh, and so the day when I didn't come to church because I had a headache, God got to understand uh, because he was a spirit uh, and he didn't know. But guess what? When he came in person, he disarmed us from every excuse that we could ever come up with uh, because when he came to this earth, he came as God, but he came as fully man. And so when he walked this earth, he had a headache. When he walked this earth, he ate like we did. When he walked this earth, he prayed like we prayed. When he walked this earth, he got upset. He got angry. He hurt just like we did. And he didn't have a place to stay. And guess what? Who he lived with was his stepdad and his mom. I use stepmom to step stepbrothers and sisters because Jesus, um, all of his siblings were step. They all had the same mother. They didn't have the same dad. 
they had to be born again. In order for all of his siblings to be called the children of God. Isn't that awesome? Think about that. The almighty God came in person and neither was his mom or his siblings was called the children of God until they were born again. Nobody's exempt. Nobody can get through. Nobody can get around. Only by the way that God has established. And so even his natural family had to be born again to be called the children of God. Did you all know when the Holy Ghost came, Mary was in the upper room and she talked in tongues? All the Catholic people that don't believe in tongues, tell them to go check and see if Mary spoke in tongues. Because Mary spoke in tongues. Nobody get around this thing. And so Jesus came in the flesh. God came in the flesh so we can understand that he understands. We won't have an excuse. So he thought it not robbery to be equal to God. Verse 7 says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Can I tell you something today? That God came in the flesh and he made himself of no reputation. People, we got to stop trying to make ourselves of reputation in this world. I know it's tough for us because of what we are used to. But as long as you're trying to make your name in this world, you can never be what God wants you to be. Because if God himself came to this world and he made himself of no reputation, why you want to make yourself of some reputation? God didn't make himself. The Bible says he made himself. You know what that means? He emptied himself from all the things that we're striving in this world. He didn't want to be known. He didn't want nobody to see him. How many times did he heal? He says, don't tell nobody. How many times he did something? He said, don't tell nobody. He made himself of no reputation. And if we're going to be the children of God, if Christ is going to be formed in us, if we're going to be who we need to be, we have to make ourselves of no reputation in this world. The the more you're trying to say, look at me, the less you become like God. The more you're trying to put yourself out there, the less you become like God. No reputation is what Jesus did. And let me hurt you real quick on this. Social media is not helping us uh, to make ourselves of no reputation. Uh, because every time uh, we do something, we say, here I go. Did you see me? I hate to tell y'all today, uh, you better check what you're putting on social media. And if it's talking about you and not about Jesus, uh, you're making yourself of reputation. Uh, but if you're going to be what God wants you to be, uh, you got to make yourself of no reputation. I know that don't sit well with all of us, but I'm trying to help you to get Christ to be formed in you. I'm trying to get you to a place where God can use you. And if God's going to use you, you got to make yourself of no reputation. Listen, somebody that's full of themselves... Christ will not use you. You can only be full of the Holy Ghost to be used. And so when you're full of you, just know God is not paying you no mind. He's not using nobody that's full of themselves. He's only using people that's full of the Holy Ghost. That's full of Him. He can't use you when you're self-centered. He only can use you when you're God-centered. Oh, hallelujah. We want to be used of God, but we want to be used of God by being who we need to be and who we want to be. We can't be who we want to be and be used of God. So you got a choice. Do you be you and just know God don't have nothing to do with you? Or you make yourself of no reputation and God will begin to use you. Listen. It's real simple. I might be passing over my notes now. Let's just go. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. But after a while, it says, but then he gave him a name 
that was above every name. He says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess that. Let me tell you something, people. Let's get straight to the chase. If you make yourself of no reputation, God will make you of reputation. And while the world won't acknowledge you right away because you have no reputation, when God work in your life, they're going to have to take notice of who you are when God raise you up. You see, when you raise you up, it's temporary because man really raised you up. And man will take you down. But when God raises you up, it's God that does it. And man can't stop it. It's only God can raise up. And God will take down. I'll tell you something. you got to make yourself of no reputation. Because that's how you're going to become like Jesus. That's how Christ will be formed in you. And that's how you will be used of God. Making yourself of no reputation. Can't keep saying, look at me. Every time we go on Facebook, look what I did. And trust me, I'm not trying to go against nobody. I'm just telling you how to be used of God. I'm just telling you how Christ can be formed in you is when you make yourself of no reputation. God will give you a reputation. You know what the problem is? We despise what God has for us. Oh, God, help me today. We're despising what God has for us because we're so greedy and so worldly and so caught up with the things of this world that we want that more than what we what God wants for us. But if you want that, God is saying, you go after that. But what I got for you is greater than what you are going after. And I'm the one that will raise you up if you will trust me. No reputation. No reputation. He made himself with no reputation. He lowered himself. This is why everywhere he went, he said, don't tell nobody. Everywhere he went, he said, no, 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 I don't want nobody to know. Because he wasn't trying to make himself with no reputation. Here is something else I'm going, I got to give to you before we finish up here. Anytime you got to step to somebody to tell them about, I ain't like how you did blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. You know what it means? You're making yourself of reputation. Jesus says, I will fight your battle. Jesus says, I got your back. Jesus says, so when you got to go and try to straighten up somebody, you're making yourself of reputation. I can't tell you how many times I shut my mouth and I said this before. People say, yeah, that's because you're wrong. You're guilty. Okay, you can say whatever you want, but I know what my Bible says, and my Bible tells me if I humble myself under God, he will raise me up. I'm not trying to get raised up by man. I'm not trying to get raised up by people. I'm trying to get raised up by Jesus Christ, because when he raised me up, when man tried to take me down, he says, no, you don't. No, you can't. I raised him up. I'm in charge of him, and nobody else can take him down. I want God to raise me up. I don't want no man to raise me up. You go and look in the news. All the athletes, I follow sports. And one thing about our media, they will raise you up and tear you down the next day. The other day they killed A-Rod. Steroid using. They killed him. Tore him down. Killed his reputation. Now they got him on Fox. Doing baseball. So what do you think, A-Rod? Because that's man. They finicky. One minute they this way, and next minute they that way. You want me to tell you why? Because they want to use you. This is why they do it, because they want to use you. That's what man do. We just talked about that. They want to use you. So today, if I put you up, that makes me look good. Let's get A-Rod on the pedestal so you know he can talk for our rated TV station. Yeah, let's hire him. They were just using him. Whatever we can get from people to make us do good, that's what we want. But God says, I made myself of no reputation. He ain't trying to be seen. Are you trying to be seen? If you're going to be used by God, you got to make yourself of no reputation. Oh, God, help us today. Is everything about you, is everything I try to do is going to make me look good? Or is it going to be, I'm going to submit myself to God? Verse 8 says, and being found 
in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Somebody say humbled. He humbled himself. How in the world that the creator of this world going to humble himself? What in the world is that? If I'm all powerful, all God, why am I humbling myself to y'all crazy people? And I'm perfect. But he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And here it go. Wherefore God also had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Jesus wants to live in you and through you. Jesus wants to use you, but he can't use you if you're full of you. He only can use you if you are full of him. God wants to be formed in us. He wants to develop us. He doesn't want us to stay babies. Come into church on Sundays, you're going to be a baby. I got to be honest with you. Preaching on Sundays inspire you. Preaching on Sundays encourage you. But it's not what help you to grow. It's not what make Christ get formed in you. Does it help? Yes, it does, but it's not the thing that really does it. It's teaching. It's experiencing life after you get teaching and you apply teaching. That's what helps you to be formed, not Sunday morning service. Am I telling you don't come to Sunday morning service? Absolutely not. You need to come. But what I'm trying to tell you is it's not what's going to cause Christ to be formed in you. It's not what's going to be the thing that propels you to become Christ-like. It's teaching. It's experiences. I told you this a few weeks ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing now. I told you this a few weeks ago that we're going to go through some stuff in this church. You're going to experience some trials, but you're going to experience it because God wants to push you closer to him. He wants to draw you closer to him. And there's many of you that are experiencing things. I know it for sure 100%. And God let me know this morning. I was standing over there, and he just was ministering to me. And he says, don't you know trials and pain make you sensitive? When you don't go through nothing, you just keep on doing what you always done. Nobody gets your attention. You just wrapped up in yourself and you're going to keep doing what you do. But when you begin to experience trial and pain, it makes you sensitive. So when God is ready to do something, you will become a lot more sensitive to God. But when your life is all good, you're wrapped up in you. You can't see outside of your box. You can't think outside of your box. All you can think about is how good life is. And God is trying to ruffle some stuff right now. God is trying to stir some stuff up right now. And he is saying, please don't look at the circumstance. Please don't look at people. Please don't try to blame people. Please don't try to think people are deliberately doing things to you. Understand, he's allowing these things to happen because he wants a closer relationship with you. He's allowing these things to happen so he can become formed in you. He is trying to get you to be everything you ought to be, to be just like him, to be able to talk like him, to be able to walk like him, to be able to respond to people just the way he responded to people. God is trying to form you. He wants you to be able to do the things that he chose you to do, that he has put into your life to do. God wants each of his children to reach spiritual maturity in the faith. They can do so by having the likeness of Christ portrayed in their lives. God wants to be formed in you. As a mother carrier embryo and the embryo is growing, God wants your behavior, your attitude, your characteristics to become like his. And so as long as he's living in you, we like to quote the scripture, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that is so true. But if he's greater, why don't you let him work in you? If he's greater, why don't you let him begin to dominate you? If he's greater, why don't you let him do the things that needs to be done? Because he is greater. 
The Apostle Paul says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. John, 1 John, 1 John, chapter 1, chapter 4, verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Becoming conformed to the image of Christ, emphasizing personal change. It is necessary in order for Christ to be formed. In you. Will you stand with me today? God wants to use every one of you in here. There is a purpose that's been established before you were born. And I would like for you, if it's if it's something that is in your heart, to respond to the Lord today to say, God, I receive that. Whatever way you want to respond. If it's coming to the altar, if it's just lifting your hands, if it's just praying, whatever way you want to respond this morning to let the Lord know, I received that. I want you to receive it from the Lord today. It is God's will that you are used by him. It is God's will that you are developed, formed, fashioned the way he created you to be. God is hoping that when we are formed in fashion, that wherever you go and whatever you do, when people see you, they will think of Jesus. When they see you, they will think of Jesus. That is what God's intent is. That as he's formed and fashioned in you, when they see you, they will start thinking about Jesus. Jesus.